When the countdown starts and we raise a toast And the snacks we love are there for nibbling Will you join with us and resolve to stop restricting? Maybe you've got that old familiar shame Thinking you'll give up sugars, fats, and grains Starting your 13th diet New Year's Eve Planning to eat only spinach and egg whites As soon as it hits 12 o'clock that night After a little drinking New Year's If you'd like to hear the rest of that tune, head over to patreon.com forward slash NBAFT and sign up to be a patron for Nobody Asked for This. Hello and welcome to Nobody Asked for This, a Diet Culture Takedown, episode 7 of season 2. I'm your host, Megan. And I'm Kendra. So our episode is entitled Anti-Diet New Year. Yeah. Our guest, y'all. Drumroll. Is Rebecca Scritchfield. Author of the book, Body Kindness. Heard of it? Probably. Probably. (laughs) It's real good. We just kind of can't even. I think we're still on a cloud about it. We definitely are. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was a dream. It was so good. It was so good. We were so nervous, but then it was like so easy. (laughs) We were so nervous. Do you know what I mean? I was tripping over my words a whole lot more than normal. Um, Yeah. So we want to talk about the new year for this episode. And Kendra, tell me about your idea you had. So, Megan, sometime early last week, I was scrolling through my social medias. (laughs) That's what all the cool kids are saying, right? (laughs) And um, even as hard as I've tried to curate what I want to be seeing, there are still these ads popping up because here we are, into December, about to hit New Year, of, you know, lose X amount of pounds, you know, in that New Year's resolution, get that off to a good start or whatever. Boo, 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 boo. And um, do you know what I do as my casual act of resistance (laughs) when I see those things? Tell me. I um, hit the ellipses and I hit report. Uh And when it asks me why, I say, because this is either inaccurate information (laughs) or it's inappropriate. Those are the two choices that I use. Because both of those things are true. Are true. Yeah. Um, And so it just got me thinking, like, what so many... So much of the push for New Year's resolutions is around losing weight. And it just got me thinking, but like, what actually is worth losing in 2020? Mm, I love this question. So here is what we think is worth losing this year. We can lose thinness as a value and we can replace it with equity among all sizes. Mm -hmm. 
We can lose judging our hunger cues and replacing it with curiosity and kindness. We can lose busyness as a value and we can replace it with rest. Mm. We can lose ableist ideas. Mm. That's one that I definitely need to learn and unlearn. Mm. We're launching an Instagram campaign using the hashtag worth losing. What we would like for you to do is share as a post or in your stories what you think is hashtag worth losing this year and also hashtag anti-diet new year. And please tag us in this and share, share, share. Yes. Specifically, personally, I would like to lose my fear of VBO and replace it with acceptance. Do you know what VBO is, Kendra? Um, I didn't until recently. Why don't you tell our fine listeners what VBO is? Okay. It is, it stands for visible belly outline. It's when, um, like you're wearing a shirt and you can see the curve of your belly. So a lot of shapewear products try to keep that from happening. And like high-waisted pants, I wear a ton of high-waisted pants Mm -hmm. to try. It doesn't make it look like you're thin. It just makes it less like smoother, I guess. And so I have this idea in my head that smoother is better and not being able to see that actual like skin curve is better. I would like to let go of that because Mm. intellectually, I know that's not my value, Right. but I find myself even physically getting uncomfortable if I know like my pants have rolled down and Mm. that VBO is, you can see it. Yeah. So I would like to become more emotionally, mentally, and physically comfortable with letting that happen. Yeah. So that's my body stuff. My, in general, what I would like to lose is silence during hard conversations. Uh I'm with you. It's about to be 2020. It's time to stop prioritizing our comfort. Yeah. That's right. We need to be telling our friends and family about justice issues like sizeism, like ableism, like racism, like homophobia, like transphobia, all of those things. I'm ready to make myself uncomfortable mm. and speak out because that's how change happens. Yeah, I'm right there with you on that one for sure. I want to lose silence during hard conversations as well. Um, and I also, uh, so I'm in a new city. Yeah. A much bigger city, a bigger dating pool of a city. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I have some fear around really diving back into the dating scene. It's been a while. And so I would love to lose the fear of being rejected and specifically around the idea of being rejected by potential partners because of my body. Mm. So we'll see how that goes. I'm sure I'll keep you all updated. Yeah. But that's what I would like to, that's what I think is worth losing in 2020. Yes. So keep an eye out on our Instagram. We will definitely be having it going. We're going to be reposting these. Um, Let's make this a thing. Yeah. Let's make this a movement. This makes me excited. This feels so much more empowering than the resolutions that I've tried to make in the past. Yeah. So upcoming in this episode, we talk about dieting, we talk about cleanses, we talk about quote unquote clean eating. That might be triggering for you. So take care of yourself. 
And as always, this podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only. We are not experts. Though we do have to remind ourselves of that often. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) So if you need doctor advice, go see an actual doctor. Enjoy. And now it's time for Shut the Fuck Up, where we do a deep dive into examples of diet culture within pop culture. And since we have an incredible guest with us on this episode, Rebecca Scritchfield, we're going to bring her in on this one because I cannot wait to see what she has to say. (laughs) So it is New Year's season. And in New Year's season, we see so many ads and so many articles about how we need to do cleanses or we need to start trying clean eating. Quote, in quotes, clean eating. Quote, unquote, clean eating. Yes. Um, I like to eat dirty. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Same. Same. <laughs> Dur- oh, dirty only for me. Yeah. Um, so because we love a good takedown on our podcast, I'm just going to give you some quotes, Rebecca, and I just would love to hear your responses to them. Sure. This first one is called a New Year's Detox. That's from the Goop website. Mm. And here's the copy. Relentless wine and brownies can not only cause us to gain a few unwanted pounds, but we typically find ourselves sugar addicted and riding the crash in a way that's not all that productive when it's time to get back to work. So a good week or two of kicking caffeine, alcohol, processed foods, added sugars, gluten, dairy, etc., is just the thing to put us back into a virtuous spot. End quote. I think that it's exactly what a goop reader wants to read about, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're going to goop because they believe I am bad mm. or, you know, what the perception is, what it was like relentless torture from brownies, yeah. right? And so the belief is I am bad. And what that really means, it's a punisher voice, right? Mm. I'm not allowed to just enjoy myself, enjoy the people and the food of the holidays, right? There's something bad I did that I have to make up for. And then there's like that checklist of, well, this is going to help with search engine results. And I have, you know, I'm playing like health concern, bingo, you know? Yeah. And so it's, it's, I don't really blame the reader for being there, but it's much more about goop knows their audience. They Mm -hmm. know that their folks are going to feel guilty And they need something to repent and make up for all this bad behavior. And, you know, what frustrates me the most about this is like, you know, there's that sliver, you know, of like truth, almost like that gaslighting, right? Like what if you like are partied out from the holidays and what if you actually want to have you know, some good juicy sleep and what if you really just feel like you want to hydrate and like take a little break from alcohol or like... Those things could be true, but you Mm. don't have to go on some like elimination spree um, of whatever they said a couple weeks and everything will be magically virtuous, you know? So, right. You know, and and, and that's a side effect actually of restriction. Mm -hmm. Um, It's it's very disordered, you know? And so we can rule out, okay, well, this isn't for people with eating disorders, right? Like Goop would say that. Okay, so fine. If you rule out that, it's a very disordered mindset. Mm -hmm. to say, hey, the only way out of this bad stuff 
is through this rigid program. And, you know, for people, for the small percent of people who feel that those rigid rules drive and energize them, they're going to get that virtue super high. Ooh, I'm better than this Mm -hmm. person. I resisted this and that, you know, and they feel like they're winning at like, you know, a video game. Shot that down. And so for them, it's actually what the experience is, is it's like, see, like, I feel so much better and I needed this and I'm sleeping better and my skin feels clearer, whatever, whatever, cleansy promises. And then it's like, well, what happens that first time you have that cookie or that brownie or that, that thing, you know, there's always a rebound. Unfortunately, when you start with the, I am bad, so I need this external thing to fix me, Mm -hmm. what you go back to is I am bad. I screwed it up again. Yeah. so really the, the takedown I have for here is empathy for the person who is on goop and saying, I need some help because I want to feel better, yeah. but maybe click out of goop and actually think about your own caregiver. Like mm. if I was talking to a friend in common sense language, what would I say to a friend with compassionate advice that was focused on self-care? Because we know we, we have a wisdom of this sounds like more self-care. We're yeah. never going to get the answers and external sources, especially when they're extremes, especially yeah. when they're selling lots of other, mm-hmm. you know, solutions that are top dollar amounts. And yeah. know that when you feel that allure, it's your own brain's reward response. Mm-hmm. of Like maybe this is the thing that's going to help me feel better. Mm-hmm. And because you can't miss out, you're going to click buy, 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 do, 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 read, read, read. Yeah. So my whole thing is before you do that goop thing, give yourself a, a, a week, right? Mm-hmm. Come up with five things that sounds like positive self-care, things you would mm-hmm. suggest to a good friend, things if you were on a stage and talking to like the Girl Scouts about like leadership and strength, right? Things that you would say with pride about self-care. Mm-hmm. And for a week, do those five things and hold yourself with kindness and compassion and see is there actually enough wisdom and strength in my own abilities as they are right now, not to make up for anything, but like mm-hmm. I have my moments and these were great, fun, joyful, purposeful things. I've got nothing to make up for. And yeah. by the way, I have an interest in catching my sleep. I yeah. have an interest in, you know, filling up the water bottle today. Both uh-huh. can know? be true. Yeah, exactly. Yes. And, yeah. but get out of goop. Yeah. Uh, moral of the story, head on over to body kindness. Right. That's exactly right. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. So that was not only a takedown, but that was also alternative behaviors, health behaviors. Right. So yeah. way to go. Wow. Yeah. That, that virtuous word really got me because it was like, wow, we are really assigning a lot of moral value. Like you talk about in your book, which we're going to talk about later. Um, and the flip side of that is that, yeah, if we're, if we're not restricting all of those things, we are not virtuous. Mm-hmm. I want to know what stuff. the et is supposed to be about. I don't know. Just well, there's anything else that, that you want that the writer can't think of. <laughs> Proteins, vegetables, like fruits. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anything you else is bugging nothing. you that I don't have a word count for. I'm just going to add that. <laughs> yeah. This elimination is clearly going to solve the problem. You know, you know oh I always like gosh. to think like 
you know, five years from now, what is it you want to be saying and spending your time on? And, yeah. and that really helps a person. It, it kind of stuck in diet culture. It's like, oh my gosh, if in five years, I'm still worried about this crap, just, you know, shoot me now. Yeah. You know? <laughs> That's <laughs> such like- a good point. So two cleanses and New Year's clean, quote unquote, clean eating, we say, shut the fuck up. <laughs> Next. <laughs> Next. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by my newfound love of latkes. Throwing away my Fitbit. Midnight kisses on New Year's with my dogs. And our favorite Lizzo song, Good as Hell. Megan, how you feeling? Feeling good as hell. All right, everybody. So our guest today is Rebecca Scritchfield. She is a coach, a registered dietitian, nutritionist, and exercise physiologist. Did I say that right? Yes. Oh, good. And the author of one of our favorite books, Body Kindness. Rebecca, we are, we're kind of nervous. That's how excited we are that you're (laughs) on our podcast. Oh my gosh. I'm sitting here in my pajamas. I have my candle going and I'm just Mm -hmm. honored to be here talking with you. I love your podcast. Are you kidding? Oh my gosh. No, I'm kidding. We're We're (laughs) such like a little, I feel like we're just like a little mom and pop shop, like interviewing like Whole Foods or something. You know what I mean? Like, it's so good. (laughs) I, I love it. And I love the title. I love the empowering message. I recommend it to my clients. Thank you so oh my much. Wow, wow, wow. All right. Pull, my, pull yourself together, Kendra. Okay. So, um, Rebecca, could you tell us about your profession and how your personal experience kind of led you into this type of work? Sure. Um, so, uh, so, personal experience that led me to this type of work. Well, way back when I was nine years old, I started to understand, wait a minute, my heart's going to beat. And then one day it doesn't, and then you die and then that's it. You know? Mm. So it was like very, and that's actually age appropriate sort of awareness of what, what does mortality mean? Um, (laughs) but in all honesty, it was one of the clear memories that triggered this internal, okay, so I want to care about my health. I want to take care of myself. And really my interests and things like eating and exercise did come from a place of like, if I have this body, I want to take care of it. Um, you know, fast forward through, you know, years and teen development and like, well, where do you go for health information? You know, there was a lot of cultural conditioning by magazines through friends. There was a lot of, that's how I kind of learned like, oh, this or that is wrong with my body. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it was just, I kind of got firmly cemented in that, you know, weight loss was good. Fixing your body was good. Preventing Mm -hmm. weight gain was good. Like these are the things that you do to be healthy. So honestly, my early interests in, you know, eating well and exercise really came from this place of self-care and, you know, culture is really what started to mess that up and make it super body appearance focused, but even all the way to the point to going, um, 
going to college and figuring out what I want to do with my life. Um, when I decided to become a dietitian, it was from this place of, yep, health is important and I want to help people be as healthy as they can through self-care and through eating habits and exercise and all that stuff. Well, the whole nutrition degree is very, I mean, weight management focus and, you know, mm-hmm. disease prevention, but focus on weight. And, yeah. and so it was like, oh, this is, I thought it was great, right? As a student, because I was, mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about health at every size or anything like that. Um, but you know, where my whole lived experience came to a clashing halt and what I would identify as my rock bottom is, um, through my own experience of trying diets, I was also getting into doing different runs and even all the way up to marathon distance. And I had a marathon where I was trying to do South beach to try to lose some weight, to get faster. Mm. And I was a dietitian doing this stupid stuff, right? Like mm. Don't eat strawberries, but have all the, you know, whatever, uh, ricotta cheese you want. Yeah. <laughs> Just whatever. It was silly. <laughs> and meanwhile, mm. I'm counseling people like strapping armband monitors on them. They're also, you know, you know, they've got weight concerns, but they're exercising and they're being so, so good, you know? Mm. And then like, crying because pizza Friday night with you know, mm. my husband resulted in, I didn't lose any weight. And, mm. and I just, I mean, I was asking myself, what am I doing? Like I'm ruining these people's lives. I'm not helping anybody mm. and I'm suffering too. And I, you know, I talked a little bit about some of my mom's health and life, you know, related concerns, um, as well and body kindness, but there, my mom's health was coming to a crashing halt. And, you know, at the end of the day, what I realized when I was, when I was helping my mom is I was like, I actually don't blame, um, you know, my mom having a heart attack. And I was Mm -hmm. like, you know, what I blame part of what led to her poor health was actually her chronic dieting and her weight cycling. And you know, for me, it was just kind of like, I cannot go forward one more day doing this to my clients. Like I, I owe them their money back. I am not helping them. I am part of a problem here Yeah. and I couldn't do it myself. And it was just that the question was like, but wait a minute, but what do I do if I care about health? Because I do. Right. right. And I was like, and what do you do if you never diet again? Um, Mm -hmm. and, and lucky for me, I had, um, you know, through nutrition, I ran into Marsha Hudnall, who was a longtime, um, dietitian and a member of association for size diversity and health. And she told me about ASDA and she told me about health at every size. Mm -hmm. I joined ASDA right away, like kind of listened and lurked and read health at every size. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is it. You know, I really align with these values how do I take this and put, you know, these values into what I know about nutrition or know about movement? And it wasn't like, boom, that was one day and the next day, here you go, body kindness, you know, yeah. uh, it was, it was a, it was a pretty long evolution. So I learned about health at every size. I had learned about intuitive eating and like did the training the first year they started to offer that. And even intuitive eating, this was around 2007. Um, you know, the co-creators were not health at every size informed and, you know, and here they had this beautiful opportunity to become that way. So I'm so glad that the last couple of years they've, they're, they're now health at every size grounded and rooted, Um, you know, but, but really it was just this, 
okay, I really like intuitive eating and that covers one thing, which is food. And what about all the other ways we take care of ourselves? And, you know, so ultimately getting to body kindness was that, was trying to answer that question. Like what would the average reader say? But wait a minute, I do care about how, you know, like I don't want these things that I do for dieting are actually for health reasons. So how do I reframe it? Right. And um, it really is something that's rooted in, um, you know, the deep science we have in positive psychology that says, you know, you know, we aren't necessarily problematic just because we struggle with thoughts and feelings or just because we struggle mm-hmm. with something that they're not, we're, we're not problems to be fixed. Right. But if we could focus on our well-being enhancement mm-hmm. or things that help add value to our life, we can actually create a better life. So there was a lot of elements of that that I loved um, ultimately that I, that I used in creating, you know, like I knew it was going to be about your inner caregiver. I knew it was going to be about a mm-hmm. practice of how to care for yourself. And it was mm-hmm. a matter of, well, what do I, what do I want to give people to latch onto as like a guiding approach yeah. that would take the, the health concern from a weight focus to a well-being focus. Yeah, yeah. I love that. So as I talked about it, I've been you know seeing anti-diet dietitians and therapists for a while now, and pretty much without fail, on all of those bookshelves, there will be Hayes, Health at Every Size, mm-hmm. Intuitive Eating, and Body Kindness. Woo-hoo! So I just wanted to say like, the trifecta, <laughs> That's right. literally. That's how we refer to it, yeah. What, how is, how are you here with us right now? Um, (laughs) So yeah, just wanted to point that out and say thank you. Um, There are three concepts in your book that I found really interesting and helpful. And they were the layering body kindness choices, spiraling up and moral licensing. Mm. So I just want to give you an opportunity to talk about maybe one of them specifically maybe spiraling up. Do you think that's a good one to choose? Yeah. Yeah. So, so the idea of a, I think we can all relate to a downward spiral, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like a tornado. Oh, yeah. And as you're spiraling mm-hmm. down, you're more closed off and you're more disconnected, right? From your yeah. inner caregiver and from the world, from people who yeah. matter. Um, you know, anyone, anyone, you know, you, you, you could talk to anyone who struggle with depression and be like, oh yeah, I could show up with a smile on my face, lipstick on, looks like everything's fine inside. I'm hurting, you know? Yeah. So, um, we can relate to that idea of a downward spiral. The concept of spiraling up is throughout body kindness. Um, it's rooted in the research of Barbara Fredrickson, who's a positive psychology researcher, and she has a theory called broaden and build. And um, she deeply studies um, vagal tone as the strength, as a sign of strength of your health and well-being. So the vagus nerves nerve runs from your crown all the way to your gut. So when you say, ooh, I have a gut feeling and you almost feel like you have to poop, that's literally your mm-hmm. vagus nerve. Like that's literally the nerve does that. Um, so yeah. vagal tone is a sign of the strength of the vagus nerve to help you regulate your stress response system. So when you feel that, oh, I don't know if I can handle this. And the, and the vagus nerve helps you take that deep breath and helps you give you that energy. That's all vagal tone. So Vagal tone is a good thing. Um, So what she has studied is that the more positive emotions that somebody can experience, um, it's kind of like an inoculation of the lower your risk of struggling with depression and anxiety. And they've even, they even figured out that was like, if you can experience three positive emotions for every one negative emotion that, you know, there's a much better chance you'll, you'll likely be able to build resilience to life's normal ups and downs. And sometimes something hits you big and it's, 
emotions at too high of intensity. It feels like more than you can handle, like a big tidal wave is coming. And you might have a day or two of sleep sucks, high anxiety, appetite is off, right? But eventually you can like that wave goes and you're able to get over it and pick yourself up and that intensity goes back down and you're sort of back to what you can normally tolerate, you know? Right. And nobody gets a pain-free life. Um, and so right. this is what we're kind of looking for people to experience. Well, in her broaden and build theory, she said, um, you know, if, if somebody can experience a positive emotion, right? Like a little thing, you hold the door open for a stranger on a busy shopping day and that that, and the stranger like lights up and says, mm -hmm. thank you. And you say, oh, you're welcome. Have a great day. Right. That there's that moment. It's a positivity resonance where all of a sudden who knows what's going on with either one of your lives right now. It could be the shittiest day possible and you're yeah. holding up the door for someone and you're connecting. And this is a basic human need, even to strangers. Right. Yeah. So that would be an example of a positive emotion. And in Broaden and Build, like she says, like one positive emotion can evoke more positive emotions so mm -hmm. much that they open you up like a spiral. So when you're at the top of a spiral, you feel more connected to humanity, to mm -hmm. the world. And that this is a, a, a deep human need. And it's also part of what helps people feel not just that short-term fleeting happiness. Like, oh, I held the door open for a stranger and he made eye contact. And didn't we both feel good for a minute? But the long-term happiness, like life was meaningful. Wow. So she coined spiral up from positive emotions. And so when I'm reading this, I'm like, oh, I wonder if, like, what if you like woke up and you felt super tired, but you're just like, you know what? I feel tired and that's okay. But what's what's a self-care choice I can make? I want to make sure I have something for breakfast, right? Yeah. Like could that positive self-care choice lead to a positive emotion, right? Mm -hmm. So you do, I don't know, a quick oatmeal with peanut butter and banana and you love it and you eat that and you're like, I'm glad I took that moment for myself. I've got some energy, spiral up, you know? Yeah. So the whole idea of spiraling up within the body kind of context mm -hmm. is this idea of layering positive, like one positive self-care choice with a recognition from your caregiver, like, Hey, like that mattered and that's creating an impact. You know, that, that acknowledgement then can lead to a positive emotion, which could lead to a, that next positive self-care choice. Right. And so, and, and so this idea of how our emotions can in a positive way kind of inspire us to so just, I don't need to worry about this whole month. But like mm -hmm. in this moment right now, what's one thing that sounds like a hug or sounds like a, you know, Ooh, mm -hmm. that was kind of what I needed right now. Yes. Um, yeah. and so I like people to think of that as something that you could latch onto that no matter what you're going through life and you know, something's happening and it's like, you're feeling that closed off feeling just to be able to say the simple words of self-compassion, your inner caregiver says, Hey, it's okay to be here right now. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. you know, like I remember like when we normally feel this way, like we might you know, I'm just going to use food as an example. We might go in the fridge and grab some ice cream, just go on the couch and like sulk, sulk, sulk. But then later we're like, you suck. What'd you do? Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> it's like, let's stop and think about this. Like today wasn't sweet. Would it be a good time to have some ice cream right now? Well, what sounds like, what sounds good for that? Right. Yeah. And so now you're in this dialogue of like, Ooh, I want this flavor. I want to put on my comfy PJs yeah. Yeah. and I want to, I want to savor this. I want right. to have a yeah. moment with it. You're still quote, right. Eating emotionally. Right. But there's a right. very different context where you're evoking this preferences and enjoyment and taste and pleasure around something yeah. that yesterday was like, you suck and you can never have ice yes. cream again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I would call that a spiral up.
Yeah. yeah. Well, it's like kind of the difference in being reactionary versus being intentional mm-hmm. and making sure that pleasure is in there. Because I've eaten emotionally so many times in reaction to restriction mm-hmm. or, um, you know, being mad at diet culture, like fuck mm-hmm. diet culture. I'm going to have ice cream right now. Yeah. And I, did I enjoy it? Like probably not. Yeah. But if I, yeah, it was intentionally like, oh, this sounds good right now. It's going to be cozy. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I literally um, had this, I literally did this today. As you're talking, I'm realizing, oh, I literally did this today. <laughs> Tell <laughs> me. you do? <laughs> so I um, am in a new city. I just moved here about just over a month, about six weeks ago now. Whoa, that seems like it can't be that long. And I uh, have a new job. So like learning the new jobs in a new city and all that is like stressful. And I have not had time to go grocery shopping for what I would normally eat for breakfast. Like I have a pretty routine breakfast Mm -hmm. that I like. And so this morning I got up and I went to Panera and got my favorite breakfast sandwich and then went to work and I just got busy working and didn't eat it. It just like sat on my desk. (laughs) I was just so busy working. And so I looked up and realized like I, okay, I went out to the front desk and I said, I am not available for 15 minutes. I went back to my office. I put something, some music on and I took 15 minutes and I ate my breakfast and had my coffee and then I, I like noticed my mood change mm-hmm. and I have a standing desk and I was like, oh, I'm going to stand up so I can kind of like dance while I'm working on my computer mm-hmm. and put my desk up. And it just like totally reframed my day to yeah. just like, okay, I, people can wait 15 minutes. I'm not available for the next 15 yeah. minutes. I love that. I love that. And that's the exact kind of thing. You know, when you're talking to your inner caregiver, you're like, you know what? I need something right now. I need to set a boundary here. Because there's also part of you that I'm sure not only just values work, generally speaking, but being in a new city and a new job and I'm the new person and how dare I ask for 15 minutes to eat, right? And so it can be a conflict with your like, you know, inner self. And so that part of you that could come in and be like, wait a minute, I need some nourishment. I want to enjoy that Panera, you know, and oh, wow. I don't want to like eat it while I'm talking to someone or, you know, I want to just like shut my door and have 15 minutes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So because this is our new year episode, I'm wondering, is there value in goal setting that isn't around weight around this time of year? Mm -hmm. And how can we, if we are wanting to set some sort of goal health-wise, mm-hmm. what sort of check-ins can we do to make sure that it's not about body manipulation? Mm-hmm. Um, so the value in setting a goal, I would say that it depends on what you think you need right now, right? So um, with respect, like what can be positive about a goal? right? Well, if it's connected to your values, right? So I want to be the kind of person who, um, you know, you know, practices self-care around sleep, right? Like we were just talking about that. Mm -hmm. So that could be one where it's like, instead of coming up with a laundry list of, Hey, here's all your problems now fix them all right now. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know, it might be good to think about a goal that's tied to this value of like, you know what? I have permission to just look at sleep the next couple weeks Here's what I'm going to practice. Mm. I want to leave work by this time. Around this time is when I want to have dinner. Am I an evening exerciser or a morning exerciser? Or maybe I'm not even going to look at exercise, right? You know, you have those choices, but it's like, I'm going to set a goal, right? Maybe you save eight hours a night of sleep, but what does that mean for my goal bedtime and my goal wake time? And this is an internal 
interest because I'm curious about how I might feel during the day if I focus on sleep for a couple weeks. So mm-hmm. that's where I would say if your mind can go that way, I think goals can be really helpful because it quiets that monitor. That's like, here's the whiteboard of all the things to fix you problematic piece of crap. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa, whoa, whoa. The caregiver can say, okay, let's think about this. Right. So I think in that direction, it makes sense. Um, the issue of, you know, I would just caution that sort of all or nothing perfectionistic thinking about my in diet culture, my out of diet culture, my in diet culture, my out of diet yeah. culture. We're all in diet culture and it sucks. Yeah. You know, like right. it's when, the water we swim in. Right. Yeah. yeah. If I go to the 6 a.m. strength training workout, I value it. I don't like 6 a.m., but I get it done and I can still be with my kids in the morning. So that's my parent sacrifice, right? You know, <laughs> you know I don't really want to be there at 6, but 6 is workable, right? Yeah. So I'm there. When I'm there, I'm showing up and I'm like, hey, I'm happy to be here taking care of myself. That teacher can spew whatever about body shaping, whatever. I'm like, yeah, mm. nope, not for me. Now, I try to try to be in environments where I'm, the harm is going to be minimal. I can't control if Susie Q next to me is all like, oh, I'm burning off last night's cookies. But what I can do is just smile and think Mm -hmm. of my values of of why I'm showing up, you know, and just remind myself of these values. But, you know, everybody being in diet culture our self-monitor can kind of go to, am I conforming or am I not conforming, right? Am I rebelling Mm -hmm. against diet culture with this cream cheese bagel or am I satisfying a preference here or am I (laughs) doing both? And so it can become a whole new set of anxieties where now you're monitoring in the other direction. Mm. It's kind of like, am I good or am I bad in the anti-diet group? Yeah. And I just that's not very human of us. Yeah. Right. Right. And so it's like, this is like body kindness is a practice Mm -hmm. and it's something that we're here to be curious about and explore. So I think in that direction of not having to do it all, but picking something that we think could benefit us personally and have our own reasons why, you know, let's not expect that everybody around us is going to share that value is going to think how we think or feel how we feel, but I might be in this space and I can't really control diet culture things around me, but I'll remember my why or what I get out of it. And, you know, and I have unfortunately been in like you know, and I just don't go back to that teacher. Oh, I'm this place. I don't want to be here again. You Mm. know, it's like, I want to bring you pain. If I don't see your legs work, it was like, say something like that. You know, what makes me do lay down. I'm like, okay, you are so not motivated. (laughs) And so, you know, but it's like, at least it's like, if we think in order for this workout thing to be successful, nobody can say something that's going to hurt me. We cannot live up to those expectations. And guess what? With those different parts, because of how we've been groomed in diet culture, you're going to finish a workout and you might feel strong and accomplished and proud of yourself and all these caregiver things. And you're still going to hear something. Wonder mm-hmm. how many calories we burned. Right? <laughs> I can't control if you're going to hear that or not, but you yeah. can like, Oh, look at there. That, that curious, you know, calorie counting part, you know, yeah. whatever you're there for, that's fine. But I'm really not here to move to burn calories, you know? Right. And, 
can be a little bit more gentle with ourselves, we're mm-hmm. actually going to make more body kindness, self-care choices. And that voice will quiet. It will eventually rarely come back. Then it yeah. will show up when like something big happened. Like, oh, yep. you're the calorie counting voice is back. <laughs> really? But because the shit hit the fan at work or in our family or yep. something. Not because right. we care about calories again. Yep. Right. So that's the path that I would go. It's like, I love that gentle with yourself. This is, this is a, a, a a process. Yeah. (laughs) Don't get to control exactly how it shows up. (laughs) Right. Totally. I love that answer. And I think it's kind of making me think too about how I was talking about what you said that really rang true. That's like, I'm not a project. Mm -hmm. Um, This isn't linear. Mm -hmm. This is work that is for your lifetime and, you know, making that first or that next right choice of body kindness um, is so much more freeing than here are my 10 goals and I'm already overwhelmed once I've named all 10 of them and not ready to do them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I just think permission to participate in the world as it is now, even though we know it's flawed, because when you are into your whys and what you are personally getting out of this, like some around eating and you're, you're thinking about veggies and you're adding them in different ways, but like with butter, not spray butter or nothing, you know, it's like, <laughs> wow, these taste good, you know? And just like, I love that I'm saving money. You know, I'm spending yeah. a little bit of time cooking food, like, you know, like whatever's spending in your life. And it's like, and gosh, like I'm like, my poops are good. Like, like it is possible <laughs> that there are little tweaks around eating patterns that help you enjoy the taste of food Yeah. that it's like, but there's going to be that part that raw, raw cheerleader, you ate broccoli. You yeah. know, it might make it about like you deserve a Pulitzer prize or something. Yeah. <laughs> it's all about it tasted good. And yeah. I know, you know, I know a little bit about nutrition and that's okay. Right. But it's just, I want to shift, you know, that it's not, that whole 30 brain is not the helpful brain, but the helpful brain now is, do I feel good? Do I like the taste of this? You right. know, so that there, that's, there's a sense of accomplishment. That's not like, because I'm working on myself just yeah. like, generally, I know that there's a wisdom mm-hmm. that, you know, enjoying tasty, yummy food is, is a great part of life. And sometimes tasty, yummy might include broccoli and sometimes it might be straight up sugar, you know, and right. then either one is morally good or bad. Yes. Um, you know, cause there's, it's just food especially is so messy and so complicated. People are going to think they come to my office and sit down and they're like, well, what are the rules with you? Am I allowed to eat vegetables or I'm not supposed to eat vegetables? You know? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, and, and that, 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 that pressure, it's too much pressure. Yeah. Yeah. And it's that, that other kind of thing is it's like, to me, it's really about like, you don't ever have to touch a vegetable if you don't ever want to. But if it's, if you're curious about how do you eat in a way that feels like it gives you energy and feels, you know, like it's caring for your body without it being a diet rule, that's something to explore. That's not going to be on a handout that anyone can give you. Yeah. It's, it's an exploration that you're going to go on based on Mm. what's your food culture, what's your preferences, you know, what do you like? What can you afford? You know, what are you interested in? It's so or questions about it. And so you'll hear that, Hey, healthy eating patterns. If you have diabetes or diabetes concerns, mm. do this. And it's like, okay, wait, what's helpful in here versus what is like weight stigma, diet yeah. or healthism. And right. you're, you know, tease that out with people that you trust so that that's not mm. going to be a, a quick answer. Right? Yeah. 
There are no quick answers. I wish there were. <laughs> in anything in life. Right? But they just don't work. Yeah. So Rebecca, where can our listeners find your book and where can they find you online? Yeah, thanks so much. Um, Bodykindnessbook.com is a great kind of starting point. Um, There is a free guide and video and kind of get started program that I offer. Um, And so when you click on that website, you click get started, give your name and email, and you'll get into that right away. Um, And you'll also see all the links to the different places I am at on social, uh, the books available, book, audiobook, ebook, um, wherever you get books. Um, library too. So I always support that. Get it used. I don't care. Um, you can get a signed copy from me at bodykindnessbook.com slash order. If you want a signed copy for yourself or gift copies. Um, so yeah, I just, I'm so happy to be able to talk to you today and hopefully I've been helpful. To- yes. And we'll have all of that linked in the show notes for you to easily access uh, Rebecca's incredible work. Thank you so much for your time and for recording with us. Oh, thanks for having me. This has been a blast and such a, like, I can't wait to re-listen to it because I feel like there's so much wisdom that I need to hear several times. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Over and over again. Yeah, for sure. Let's talk about snacks, baby. Let's talk about what's yummy. Let's talk about all the sweet things and the salty that we eat. Let's talk about snacks. Kendra. Yes. I love having appetizers on New Year's Eve. Same. Megan. Mm-hmm. I also love appetizers on New Year's Eve. Tell me Please, right the second, I have to know, what are your favorites? They're all meats. <laughs> it's a good meat trio of summer sausage. Funny, because I like it in the winter. Grape jelly meatballs. Don't at me, it's delicious. And Hawaiian roll ham sliders. Have you had any okay. of those? I don't know that I've ever had a grape jelly meatball, but I can see how that would be delicious. hmm um, and I don't know what the hell summer sausage is. What? So, so God, are you really? Yeah, really, really. Okay. If you go to I the... love sausage, but I don't know what a summer sausage oh, is. Oh boy, is your life about to change. Okay. If you go to the deli section, uh-huh. it comes in like a tube. It's already cooked. You don't have to cook it. Okay. So it's just a slice and eat sort of situation. And it's oh. like a cured sausage. Oh. Delicious. But like, what does it taste like? Oh, Good in any season. It tastes like, uh, you know, like um, salami kind of, or. So it doesn't have a particularly, a certain kind of herb, something or other that makes it a summer sausage as opposed to a winter sausage. Oh, great question. Okay. I don't know. All right, you just know you like it. But I have always had this sausage in the winter, so I'm really perplexed as to why it's a summer sausage. Maybe we could do some research and get back to you. <laughs> or they could tell us. Somebody tell us. Someone from Summer Sausage, please tell us. It's not a brand. I was going to say, wait a second. It's not. Okay.
Okay, well, I will definitely try it because I love sausage. All right, tell me. (laughs) (laughs) Eyebrow wiggle. That's like a joke on a lot of levels if you know me, but anyways, okay. So many levels. (laughs) Tell me what your favorite Christmas Eve... Nope. Tell me what your favorite New Year's Eve food is. Okay, my favorite New Year's Eve food is champagne. (laughs) Or like any, it doesn't need to be from France, any sparkling, anything. Okay, next question. Mm -hmm. Do you prefer an Osti or a Brute? Oh, um, I don't know what an Osti is, so I'll say Brute. Osti is sweeter. Oh, no, Brute. Also, I'm sure there are more categories. I'm sure there are more categories than those two, and I'm not sure that I'm saying them correctly. That's okay. We can. It's our podcast. We can do whatever we want. There are now two types of champagne. You learned it here. Buda nasty. <laughs> Don't let anyone tell you differently. No, 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 no. I do um, enjoy, it's particularly on New Year's Eve, a glass of champagne with a raspberry in it. Oh! It's like a little fancy. That's so cute. Yeah, and easy to do. Okay, do you like... When you have your champagne on New Year's, like at midnight, do you like oh, there to so be... So that would have been like my one, two, three, fifth glass or something like sure, that? Sure, 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 sure. <laughs> I'm talking about the midnight glass. Uh-huh. Whatever number that is. Yeah. Do you want to like, okay, here the ball drops, and then you're like, yay, and then you take your drink, or do you like a toast to come before hand? Like before the ball drops or like after the ball drops just whenever toast, but and then bef- everybody drinks it before the champagne no i want to drink it right at new year's oh because i'm not usually kissing anybody at new year's so okay so you want to stuff something in your mouth <laughs> and something else in my mouth i time. get it i get it i like a toast well but i'm not saying i don't like a toast i'm just not interested in waiting for the toast okay i'll just go fill my glass up and be ready for the toast okay <laughs> yeah yeah let's talk, talk about snacks This episode's fat-friendly Hall of Fame inductees are Linda Bacon, Evelyn Triboli, and our guest, Rebecca Scritchfield. These are the people we've been waiting for. We are the people we've been waiting for. Thank you so much for listening to our episode. Our next episode will be out on January 13th. Megan, do you want to know what my secret weapon is? Yeah. Well, according to you, it's rolling my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh, you do it weapon? well and you do it often. Do I? Uh, I don't yeah. know if that's a good secret weapon to have. You're just expressing yourself. And that's great. It's very kind of you. Megan, what is your secret <laughs> weapon? <laughs> okay, my secret weapon is... Knowing what movie star should play you in a movie about yourself, like a biopic. Oh, who's for example, to play I don't me? know. Well, hang on. I don't know if it's going to make it into this episode, 
but I told Rebecca Scritchfield off air that if she ever had a movie made about herself, she needs to have Ellie Kemper play herself. And I can't really describe why I think that, but I am very curious if you know who both of those people are, if other people think that I'm correct in that. I think I'm spot on. Okay. Okay. Now, do you want me to tell you who I think should play you? Yeah. Do you really have an answer? (sighs) Well, I'm just kind of thinking about our Fat Friendly Hall of Fame right now, and I'm thinking Bridget Everett would be a really good one. (laughs) Right? I would die if Bridget I know. Read me. We know that the secret weapon of podcasters are ratings and reviews and subscriptions. Yeah. So yeah. head over to wherever you listen to our podcast. Subscribe if you haven't already. Rate us. Five stars, please. We love you forever. Review us. We've been getting some more reviews in, and they're all fantastic, and they truly make our day. They're fuel for our fire. They're fuel for our fire. So I love it. And they're fuel to keep us going because the more... Positive reviews you have, the more easily found your podcast is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, one more thing. Sign up for our Patreon. It's up. It's live. People are there. Join it. Join the community. We've got some great extra content. And some great ones coming. And some real vulnerable stuff coming up. <laughs> and don't forget to join us in sharing your hashtag worth losing for your hashtag anti-diet new year and be sure to tag us yeah and remember it's at underscore nobody asked for this on instagram that's right we'll see you in the new year happy new year y'all happy new year happy anti-diet new year kendra that's right here we go bye If you ever have a movie made about your life, mm-hmm. I know who should play you. Who? Ellie Kemper. Do you know who that is? Oh. She was Erin um, on The Office, and she's been in some other like rom-coms, and I don't know why, but every time I see you, I see her. So she's in Bridesmaids? And yeah, Bridesmaids. And um, oh, the Netflix show. Um, oh, yeah, Kimmy Schmidt. <laughs> oh, I'm laughing about Kimmy Schmidt because my daughters, I took them to see cats at the Kennedy Center and they're obsessed. Aww. And then, so I found on Etsy where they literally make serious like cosplay cats costumes, even for kids. <laughs> and they're like, this was worn on Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Oh my goodness. So that's how I found out about it. That's so funny. It's, 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 it's hilarious. Cause somebody once told me this was years ago. It was like, you look like Kelly McGillis from Top Gun. So when you said something, I was like, actress. So, um, yeah. But great. That's well, that's hopefully good. she's yeah. cool and she's super funny cool. and fun. She is. And, okay, she's good. super she cool. Is. She's also she's sat in things. for, she has sat in for Ellen um, DeGeneres and like hosted her show before. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. What a yeah, person. She's great. Yeah.